Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It's the most wonderful time. It is indeed. It's actually... Or is it? Listen... Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks Musa Kwonga. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very yeah. good indeed. Are you on it already? On what? <laughs> on one. No, it's grape juice. <laughs> apple Shola. It's grape juice. It's apple Shola. It's, it's just apple Shola. It's fine. Good times. Um, we're recording this late on Monday because we thought we'd hang around and see if the Premier League were going to postpone the round of fixtures that they were meeting about discussing about, no, meeting to discuss about possibly postponing. And it looks like they're not going to. So we could have just recorded this earlier, it would have been fine. We could have, yes, yes. But we also held off a little bit because we wanted to catch the Women's Champions League draw, which also took place today. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Let's do some admin first. First of all, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that boost if you can. Be like Musa, get the booster. That's that should just be on every single. Oh my goodness, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Don't be like me if you're listening at home. Uh, this is the final normal one of the year because we're onto the Christmas schedule after this. So don't forget the Righties House Christmas special will be on Thursday the twenty third. It's going to be a quiz. Oh God, get wow. get ready, everyone. You can play along at home when you listen. It's going to be fun. And then there will be a stadio on Christmas Day where we will be reading out all of the things that football related that people have been grateful for this year. We had some amazing submissions, so we're going to do those. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent them. Then it will be the Stadios on the 29th of December. And then Stadio will be back on Tuesday the 4th of January. And there'll also be another one on Thursday the 6th. And then after that, the week after that will be full service resumed. Getting all your podcast vitamins over the season. I hope so. 
Um, the ringer.com forward slash soccer and the ringer.com in general. Moose had a piece go up last week about Napoli. I had a piece go up on Friday about the F1 season that um, I could tell by a few of the responses that it was still a little bit raw, understandably. So hope people kind of tried to understand what I was trying to say with it all. And also with my Napoli piece, I can say that it has aged well. It has <laughs> aged well, and we will talk about that a little bit later. I'm going to try and squeeze another piece in before we wrap, but um, if not, it'll go up after Christmas. If you listen to us on the podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please give us the biggest Christmas present we can ask for and leave a lovely one, if that's all right. Indeed. And Stadio Archer's place on Spotify. Oh, and the final Stadio newsletter of the year will go out on Wednesday. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, go to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in, you'll get a confirmation email to check your junk folder. And uh, yeah, we don't pass it anywhere. It just It's just for us to send you emails. And I think that's everything. So today we're going to talk about the Premier League or what was left of it over the weekend, but mainly through the weird decisions that took place because there were also a few around Europe that we'll touch on. We'll do a really, really quick roundup because the Bundesliga wrapped for the year. Um, a couple of other leagues have got, I think, one more round of fixtures before they wrap. But we'll do that and we'll talk a bit about the Women's Champions League draw as well. And then we'll bounce. So it might be a bit of a quick one today. Indeed. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. All right, man, should we start in the Premier League? Because only four fixtures survived due to numerous COVID cases within squads. And I would like to start, if you don't mind, with... Liverpool Spurs? Yeah, let's do Spurs-Liverpool. Spurs because, Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Because I think this was, well, this was obviously the showpiece fixture of the weekend. And of, uh, Liverpool without a few key players because of COVID. Thiago was missing, Virgil van Dijk was missing, Fabinho was missing. And Spurs hadn't played for ages. Right. Um, since then, we've learned that Spurs have basically had to forfeit that game in the Conference League. Against Wren, yeah. Which means that Wren got awarded the 3-0 win and Spurs are out of the Conference League. They made a meal of that group anyway, and to be honest, they should have they should have been able to get through that group even with, a, with forfeiting that fixture. Let's get right. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, to be honest... With the backlog of games they've got as well, obviously no one really wants to exit a European competition, but I don't think... I was going to say this about, is it even that that bittersweet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that happened Monday. We found that out. Let's talk about the game on Sunday because this seemed to be a really good example of um, a lot of the talking points from the Premier League this weekend. But let's begin with the football because Spurs took the lead and... um, very nice a, finish from Kane. It was yeah. a lovely finish from Kane. Only his second league goal of the season. Not a good year for this man. But I thought Spurs were quite good. They were quite. They had this really difficult setup for um, uh, that Liverpool just couldn't really. They could deal with it, but it, it, they struggled with it a little bit. This five three two. Klopp mentioned it after the game actually, and just hit them on the break with Son and Kane up front, and they kind of got through a few times actually. They were a bit wasteful in their finishing and could have could have bagged a couple more. Not a huge surprise to have Conte using five across the middle, but it's not just the five across the middle, it's the way that he swarms you, actually. Um, and one, one thing Conte is very good at is finding gaps against teams with supposedly superior players. Mm. Um, but yeah, really impressive from Spurs, really, really a great intensity, and which is what you kind of expect from an Antonio Conte team. Already his fingerprints are on this one. Um, and Spurs were playing on the break, but created some pretty good openings, actually. Mm. This is the thing, the quality, maybe this is a bit of a hot take, 
the quality of counteract chances, the quality of counteract chances that Antonio Conte's teams create now are reminiscent of the quality of chances that Mourinho created when he was at his peak, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. They're really good at efficiency, um, Conte teams. So they could have got the second one through Son, actually. Mm. But I think in between those two was perhaps the big moment of the game. And it wasn't actually a goal or an assist. It was the tackle. Yes. Now, yeah. to me, I, I saw that and I was like, I'm not someone that normally, you know, leaps in, so to speak, um, with a verdict on these things. But when you have even Gary Neville, who is quite circumspect on these things, was like, that's the closest level get Gary Neville to saying this should have been a red card. But it's the kind of tackle where even the person that perpetrates it rewatches it and goes, I think I was lucky to get away with that. He didn't um, think so afterwards. He said, first of all, well, he said, he just said, first of all, he thought it was a, 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 a good, strong tackle. And I was like, oh. yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about public opinions, Ryan. I mean, private opinions. I mean, in the WhatsApp group on the coach home and everyone going, Harry, yeah, you. Whew, I mean, I just got, cannot believe that this wasn't a red card. I, I just cannot believe can't believe it. It's one of the few tackles that looks even worse. <laughs> it looks it's even so worse. Bad. Yeah, it's, it's high. It's late. And it's lucky it doesn't make contact. Really. It's so like, dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's so, so dangerous. And I think Klopp was quite good after the game, actually, on this, because he said, you know, three decisions, the Robbo one, the Rob, um, Andrew Robertson one. He had clear no red. problem with it all. Yep. It was a clear yep. red. Um, and I think that's the problem with it. The fact that Paul Tierney gets told to go and check that for VAR. So why isn't he, check, why isn't he checking the, the Kane one? Or why, isn't he get, why doesn't he get told to check that Kane one? Um, and likewise with the Diogo Jota penalty, like for me, I just don't understand why that's not a penalty. Do you know what it is? There is a big, there's a big shout for something called a reputational red, which is that there are certain players who get, they get checked for a VAR because uh, the reputation precedes them and others who don't. Yeah. Like for example, if, if Granit Xhaka had made that tackle that Kane made, he would have been sent off twice. Yeah, oh, without question. Yeah. Mm. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Reputational reds. Yeah. And very much, I think, Kane benefited from, from all of that. Like, you know, sending off Harry Kane at home. And I'm not, th- I'm not saying these are all conscious biases. I'm not saying they are. I'm, I think that they feed into, you know, people, people, officials are human. Officials are human. And in the heat of the moment, we're making decisions. I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying these are conscious biases, but to look at that tackle and to see how that wasn't given as a red, I, I, I don't get it, to be honest. I yeah, I agree. It. I think yeah. that the, the problem is that you have, um, and I know we've kind of like swerved the football already and gone on to the decisions, but should we, should, I mean, let's wrap up on the football. The only reason why we mentioned the, the decision before the football is because Harry came on to play a huge role in the rest of the match. Yeah, massive. He was as dynamic up front as I've seen him in a while. It was extremely yeah. impressive. You know, he did miss chances, but again, it's the cliche, it's the positions he got into. He lost his marker for those chances. So, yeah. you know, this is why I mentioned that because given what transpired, given what happened, you know, actually it's similar to Diego Carlos in the Europa League final, mm. ending up supplying the winning goal um, off the Lukaku own goal, but, but Diego Carlos probably should have gone off for the mm. foul on Lukaku. And he stayed on the pitch and ended up playing a decisive role. And the same with Kane. Kane played a decisive role in the minutes to come, whereas Robertson, of course, had a turn for the worse. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so um, back to, yeah, back to. I mean, obviously the game, the, the game ended up to all. And I think that with all things considered, I don't think that's a dreadful result for Liverpool. 
No. Although, you know, they were only down to 10 men for, what, 13 minutes plus stoppage time. So, And also the context is it's a packed, like, I mean, it was a packed Spurs stadium. So that's one thing. But the, mm. the one concern, I suppose, is the form that City are in. Yeah. I mean, let's move on to City in a little bit. But, yeah. but because I think let's quickly touch on, obviously, Wolves getting a really, really good point against Chelsea. Yes. Grand total of two shots on target in, in the entire game. One for Wolves, one for Chelsea. Mm. Wasn't a uh, wasn't a thriller, but it was a big, big point for Wolves. They've had like a pretty tricky run of fixtures, you know, Liverpool at home, City away, Brighton away, Chelsea at home. That's not an easy run. And I think getting four points out of those fixtures. It's good. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty re- good. It's really good. And also against City, the plan was working until the red mm-hmm. card. Like it was really working. Adama Traore, extremely impressive, mature performance up front, holding the ball up. So even from that defeat, and it was only a single goal defeat, and let's mm-hmm. be honest, you're losing by a goal with 10 men at City in context against a City team that has basically broken the record for goals in the calendar year. And a team with like, as, as, as Mayo has said in the WhatsApp group, no COVID cases, basically. Mm-hmm. In context, it sounds, this is kind of like such a hipster thing to say, but in context, that Wolves result against City will go down as one of the most impressive defeats of the season. Yeah. To lose, to lose only 1-0 with 10 men at Man City in this kind of form. That's like yeah. a really good result. I don't think that's a wild take at all. You know? Liverpool and Chelsea both dropped further behind Man City because Man City beat Newcastle. 4-0 on Sunday. <laughs> Pep was really unhappy about their first half performance, which I found pretty hilarious. <laughs> but he pointed out that the goals, well, the first goal specifically came really quite easy for them. Mm. But Jao Cancelo is absolutely on one this year. I'm glad you mentioned this because Pep every single season does at least one tactical thing that nobody else in world football would seriously consider sustaining over the course of a season. Whether it's like I mean, the false nine has been done before, don't get me wrong, but Pep was someone that revived it in a big way, right? And every year Pep does one thing where you're like, hang on a minute, the fullbacks are doing that? Or the false nine, it didn't mean there's, there's almost no other manager in world football who would have turned Phil Foden into a false nine for the biggest game of the season. And Pep did it against Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like that's, what I love about Pep is there's always one new thing he does where you could not really imagine almost any other coach in the world with the exception of like one or two, maybe like a Nagelsmann or someone else doing that. Um, yeah, well, Eddie, Howe, of- Eddie Howe was the person who pulled the absolutely, whoa, <laughs> tactical <laughs> Oh shift. God, here you go. Joel Linton is the left centre midfielder in a midfield five. Love that. That was such <laughs> big football manager energy. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I, res- I respect the attempt. I respect it. I think Newcastle were unlucky though, because I cannot for one second understand how they didn't get a penalty. And this again, I think goes to the, I mean, there were some lovely goals in this game before we move on to the decisions. Like I think the goals were good. Like Cancelo's, Cancelo's move for the first goal to get into that position is so good. I don't it's know, so, assist, so good. And the assist, and itself, the assist yeah. is amazing. And then obviously his, his, his goal was brilliant. The ball in for Mares from Sinchenko was amazing. And the, the Raheem Sterling goal, even though it was a tap-in, it was just a, an absolute trademark City goal. Yeah. Super well worked. So the goals that City scored were absolutely amazing. I think it was for, was it for the, um, was it for the Raheem Sterling goals? I think it was actually maybe it was just another chance early on in the half where Kevin mm. De Bruyne had got it in the middle and turns and was away. And it was just like the way that Man City played, admittedly against a struggling Newcastle side. But 
they're just so unbelievable to watch sometimes. You know, actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned um, Mara just there. Mara's is actually underrated at this point. He's so good, right? He's so good. He comes in and delivers all across the front line for City. He could play as a nine for them if he had to. Like, if he absolutely had to, he plays a nine for them. His finishing is just ruthless. Mm. This year, he's got, what, like 11 in 23 Premier League games. Just quietly mopped up, like almost any other team. I mean, Mares is basically one of the sort of top, arguably one of the top five wingers in the world. You could argue that. Like, it's arguable he's top five in terms of his consistency, what he delivers, what he's asked to do, and what he gives you. He's just so, so good. And it's just one of these galaxy, and it sounds like more as revering the fact that City have the ability to stockpile wealth. It's not that. It's more like the fact that such a brilliant player, it's maybe an indictment of how much City have that such a brilliant player will continue to go unheralded, which is kind of the, it's the, it's the pact with the devil that he kind of signed by moving to City, right? Because Mares could have gone anywhere and went to City. And the risk that you run is that your brilliance will be overshadowed by many other players. It's just easy to forget just how good he is. Like, his finish. This man volleyed a ball that came in a good 30 yards out, a good 30 yards out and he dispatched it from a one-on-one position. He could have taken it down and gone around the keeper mm. and he cypheded it in from near the penalty spot. Like it was nothing. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's sometimes easy with all the players that City have to lose track of players that are performing out of their skin mm-hmm. week in, week out. In his case, maybe sort of year in, year out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just want to give him a quick shout. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But the decisions from the weekend. Yes, yes, yes. Do we talk about them or is it kind of boring? I mean, we've talked about the, the, some of the ones that, there just seem to be a lot wrong this week. I think that we do a pretty good job on this podcast in general and on Righty's House in terms of not really singling out individuals mm. on the actual pitch a number of times because we understand or we at least try to understand that the pressure that every individual is under in that setting. Like you are, you are playing in the most watched league in the world. Every single decision is absolutely under the most like intense scrutiny. Mm. And people are human. People make mistakes. We know that. Yeah. But the, the issue is that now you have a device there that allows you to get out of jail, essentially. Yes, yes. You, or to correct your mistakes. In the Newcastle Man City one, for example, Mahrez was flagged offside for his goal. They checked it, it's done. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But I think with the penalty, I cannot understand for a second how that's not a penalty. Much the same that I cannot understand how Harry Kane's tackle on Robertson doesn't get sent to VAR or the, the penalty decision on Jota doesn't get sent to VAR. Apparently the reasoning for Jota not giving that was because he managed, they said that he stopped and invited the contact, but it doesn't even really matter. It's still a foul. The alley one was, was correct though, to be fair. I don't think that was a penalty at all. Well, as in, as in football, as in the rest of life, new technology only ever really serves to magnify pre-existing human strengths and weaknesses, right? So if you're diligent normally and you want a second opinion because you're just diligent, that will enhance the ability that you have to do your job better, right? And if you're someone who is uncertain about a review, and let's say, let's be charitable to the official in charge, um, Spurs Liverpool. Paul Tierney. Yeah, maybe Paul Tierney's thinking was, the game was in a particular flow, it looked clean, let's keep it going. And so it wasn't necessarily, a kind, let's say that it wasn't a kind of any fear or concern about who was doing the alleged foul. It was more like, well, let's keep the game flowing. I just trust my judgment. 
VAR only serves to enhance the dangers inherent in that stubbornness. If you're an inherently stubborn official, stubborn in a charitable sense, in the sense that, look, if I keep referring everything to VAR, the game loses its phone, I lose my authority on the field. Because I do think there is a real issue with VAR. I think there is an issue of the reputation of the referee being, uh, the authority of the, of the referee being eroded by constantly second guessing yourself, right? So I think sometimes there's a tendency for, for referees to be like, I need to make a firm and clear decision and move forward. I think there is an element of that. And I think to be charitable, the Robertson red is a lot clearer, I think, in real time than the, than the um, Kane one. Because but he still checks it though. So yeah. this is the thing. It's not I'm not yeah. I'm not even really taking shots at the actual on field referees. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to I'm trying to do I'm trying to be as charitable as possible, I guess. If they're gonna miss it, then that's what VAR is there for. So what is the actual point? If mm. if you're not gonna if you're not gonna use it or if if the people in the VAR like it's there to be like, listen, this is quite a debatable one, the Kane one. Yeah. You might want to look at it. Mm. Or the Jota penalty is worth having a look at least yeah. because you might change your mind. Yeah. That's what it's there for. So go and do it. He doesn't have to give the penalty still if he genuinely believes it's not a penalty. No, but true. he can at least go and have it, like have like go and check it. That's what is there. I think that's the thing that really bugs people about VAR is like either have it or don't. But if you're going to have it and people know that you have the opportunity to revisit decisions that you may have missed, why, why not do it? Like we were talking about it after the, uh, the Dortmund buying game, how many weird ones got sent to VAR as opposed to other ones. And it's the lack of consistency that I think really pisses people off. Like uh, apparently Newcastle are making a complaint to the Premier League about refereeing standards because they've been yeah. on the end of a few absolutely rotten ones in the last few yeah. weeks. One, one thing I will say was gets, got overshadowed in this, um, naturally, of course, the Diego Jota goal is such a beautifully worked goal. Like there's, there's, it's such a beautifully worked. There's a few, there are a few of these goals actually this weekend. Um, actually, there's one that Inter got against Salernitana, um, Chalanolu, Sanchez and Dzeko linking up. There were like two or three really beautifully worked goals this weekend. Mm -hmm. And the Jota, the Jota one is marginally my favourite, just the way they got it in and out again. Incredible commentary on Match of the Day saying, of course, a lot of headers for us, such a little man or something like that. Wow. Goodness me. It's like, whoa, listen, what did Diogo do to you? Well, I guess we can say he's got a big stage presence then. How about that? Live your life, short king. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about Leeds Arsenal very quick. Leeds are in yep. a spot of bother, but oh my God, they have got so many injuries. All that said, but something quite old school about Arsenal putting together a commanding 4-1 win at Elland Road, isn't there? What's that? 11 goals conceded in two games. For Leeds. Yeah. Didn't they get a seven? Yeah, but I mean, goodness. they're just missing so many key it's the players. Injuries. Yes, the injuries. I mean, they play so open anyway. They play open anyway, and then that gets exacerbated mm. by, the by the injuries. I think actually this is a case where it's better to emphasise what Arsenal did well. Yeah. Rather than what Leeds did wrong. So first of all, so to Leeds fans, awful with this number of injuries. Um, hope that situation turns itself around soon enough. And also as well, as um, was pointed out on Twitter by quite a few people, one of the lowest wage bills, the fourth lowest wage bill in the division. Mm. That cannot be forgotten. If you've got the fourth lowest, you've got the fourth lowest wage bill in the division and are also missing a huge number of players on top of that, you're still performing kind of at par, right? You're still performing kind of at par. And especially the quality of the teams are playing because Arsenal now, the form they're in, they're good value. They're good value for fourth place in the Premier League, which is, Frankly, an incredible thing to be able to say, if we consider what people were saying in just August about this Arsenal team, 
And the really exciting thing for me, for a selfish point of view, is the form that players like Martinelli are coming into, Smith Rowe, where you're like, you know, I'm always excited by young players. And the really exciting thing about Smith Rowe and Martinelli is I keep having to revise upwards what their peaks are. Someone like Saka, his peak is not yet in sight. Smithrow and Martinelli, I looked at as players that were going to be very, very good. And it's to their credit that I now have to revise upwards again what they may be capable of. Because I think these two actually, in terms of their potential, I'm starting to get really quite excited about what they can do. That makes I mean, sense. It's just a really good young crew there. I mean, we talked about yeah. Arsenal a lot last week, so let's not go too, too into it. But, you know, Erdogan, Smithrow, Saka, Martinelli, that four yeah. is just. That ranks along outside any, that is a, as a quartet. If that quartet went to any club in the world, they'd be happy to have them. Yeah. And I think the addition of Martinelli in, a, in terms of a, a regular run in the squad, I think actually shifts the importance away from having Lacazette in there, uh, sorry, having Aubameyang in there. Yeah. Because you saw on the weekend how Lacazette's movement dropping deep basically just allows Arsenal to just like sack her on one side. Martinelli on the other and I quite like the way that Mikel Arteta is using Smith-Rowe from the bench at the moment because against Manchester United he looked knackered he played a lot of football I think and and I think that having those options to rotate is pretty handy um, but yeah man I mean they were, the, the teams behind like Manchester United and um, West Ham and Spurs all have games in hand I think Manchester United and Spurs can overtake Arsenal if they win all their games in hand so I don't think anyone's banking on Arsenal being fourth at the end of the year, but with games being postponed left, right and centre, if, if, you know, if any team can get away with their games being played and they can win them, who knows how those fixtures are going to pile up towards the end of the year. Yeah. And to be honest, what else happens? Right, right. And some, they've got some tricky fixtures coming up as well. Like Wolves is going to be a tough one, I think. Wolves sure. is going to be another yeah. big test because like we, we said before, they're a tricky team to beat. They, don't, they haven't conceded a lot of goals. Very resilient, yeah, yeah. Wolves have the second, uh, third best defence in the in the Premier League. They don't score a lot either, but those games are super, super tight. So Arsenal yeah. are going to have to really be on it. Quickly before we leave England, the Women's Super League is now in its winter break. Manchester United beat Aston Villa women 5-0 on the weekend. A couple of lovely goals from Ella Toon. Leicester beat Birmingham 2-0 and Spurs beat Everton 1-0. The rest of the games were postponed. Arsenal, Brighton, City, Reading. Man City, Reading, sorry. Chelsea versus West Ham. So at the break, Arsenal are top on 25 points. Chelsea second, 21 points. They've both played nine games. Spurs are third on 20 points. Manchester United fourth on 18 points. Do you know it's wild? It feels like so much more has happened in the WSL than that. Like if you said to me how many games have both teams played, I would say like 14, 12, 13, 15. 14. Like, yeah, it feels like in terms of the shifts that have happened in terms of narrative, what's happened to those teams in and out of Europe is, yeah, been really interesting. Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. All right, man, before we go into Serie A stuff, let's do a really, really quick roundup of La Liga because... Yes, fascinating. I would like to begin, if you don't mind, with Rio. Oh, okay. Rio beat Alaves 2-0 on Saturday. And while with the other fixtures that we've been going on, obviously Real Madrid dropping points, Barcelona scraping through, Atleti dropping more points, Betis, the results have been all over the place this weekend. The reason I wanted to highlight Rio is because we're one game away from being halfway through the season. And yes, Atleti have a game in hand on them, but with Atleti's form at the moment, that's not a banker. No, it's not. Rio are fourth, having played 18 games. That's incredible. Last season, they finished sixth in the Segunda. It's incredible they're fourth, actually. The fourth spot in La Liga is maybe one of the most interesting positions at the moment in European football, if you look at who's occupied it, um, who's coming in out of that space. La Liga right now is especially volatile, and it does feel like we're slightly guilty of the observation principle here because the moment we start, I think La Liga is a quantum league because the moment we start paying attention to it, <laughs> it shifts. Like Betis, right? When Betis lost to Athletic Club, part of my feeling was, like Betis was surging like recently. Mm. I was like, I wonder if we start paying attention to Betis, they're going to start subsiding. And it does feel like the moment we started paying attention to teams, they've fallen away. I yep. think that's just really, it's probably just a reflection on the fixture list and actually the challenges that people have. La Liga this year, it's up for the taking, actually, because you've got teams. This is not this is not a knock on Rio, actually. It's more a fact that they've been smart enough to exploit the insecurities of traditional rivals. Mm. The only team that's really showing up of the big teams at the moment consistently is Real Madrid. And even um, they dropped points against Cadiz on the weekend. So. They did, they did, they did. I mean, that was... Um, a, a sort of a resilient defensive show, I suppose, more than anything else. But still, but still, Cadiz did us last, last season though. They took points off the big teams, right? Exactly. They're not clowns. They're like kind, not mm. kingmakers quite, but they're they're decisive um, in certain games. But who have we seen make a charge? Now we've seen Sevilla make a charge. I mean, Sostad an impressive early start. Betis have come at that spot because Atleti and Barcelona are floundering. If that makes sense, it's, it's allowed yeah, I mean, a lot of other people a run on the league. Frankly, yeah, Atleti lost to Sevilla on the weekend. Yeah, a late winner. Uh, who was it? Lucas Acampos? Yes, Acampos at the near post. Two minutes from time. Gave Sevilla the win after even Rakitic put him ahead with an absolutely lovely goal. Rolling back the years, Rakitic. And also, Oblak beat him from distance. That's a... Yeah, know, that's a rarity. Yeah, it's a collector's item there. Uh, Felipe got Atleti back into it in the first half. But yeah, if Sevilla win their game in hand, they're only three points behind Real at the top. Um... 
Atleti's run of form at the moment is so just they they can't really seem to to put together any consistency. That's three straight league games they've lost now. Sevilla, Real Madrid, and Mallorca at home. Mallorca at home is the real like. That's a terrible loss. Mallorca lost to Granada four one at the weekend. Uh, let's quickly shout out Barca because Bar- Elche, I think, had scored against Barca in what two thousand minutes, and then got two in, uh, two in a minute. That is so Barca to equalise. Anyone that's watched Barca this year will be like, yeah, that's completely yeah. yeah. After Ferran Yukler got given Barcelona the lead, I think that's his first first goal in his debut for Barca, right? It was for, his first, first start. start. Was it, is, is first it his start, debut? first goal. Just- yeah, first start, first goal. Um, Gavi got the second goal with. Uh, just a few minutes later, which was this was not, this was too late to be submitted into the stadios, the twenty twenty one stadios, but this was an angry goal contention, and very I mean, reminiscent of Messi's celebration in the Champions League final, uh, when he runs over, kicks the hoarding, and starts just going, yeah. <laughs> um, but he was absolutely amazing. He got the assist for Nico's winner. Yes, uh, five minutes from time, Gavi looks amazing. But this lineup from Javi. <laughs> was so so interesting he's really trying he's really trying Chavi. Yeah. and this is the thing again this is the thing with Barcelona it's always going to be this thing of like green shoots this season and if you assess Barcelona this year not in terms of necessarily primarily how they finish because that is important but if you assess them primarily in terms of what identity is Chavi building for them or restoring for them there's generally room for a bit of excitement I think mm. You know, um, yep. because what's the most exciting about Xavi is that he knows that he's got permission to experiment and he's clearly pushing that as far as he can. Mm. He's clearly taking that as far as he can. Uh, and just like I say, it's three win- uh, Sorry, it's three points for Barca um, and just a bit of breathing room for them because what, they're like mid-table now? Mm-hmm. What, they're in seventh? 27 points. I mean, they're, they're six points off third with a game in hand. Well, the way this league's going, it's not... Yeah, you know, right, right. Yeah. All right. Bundesliga quick, Bayern beat Wolfsburg 4-0 on Friday night to extend their lead at the top, thanks to Dortmund's defeat at Hertha on Saturday, which was a, a truly very, terrible very poor result. result truly terrible. Um, they've actually taken the lead through Julian Brandt, Dortmund, and Julian Brandt has been one of um, one of the positives of Dortmund's season, his form. But um, that is an extremely poor result for Dortmund, and the Bundesliga looks like it's kind of done this year. Yeah. Matt Ford actually wrote a thing for DW about how this, this is the worst Bundesliga in years and that there's a number of reasons for that. And it's really interesting how it went from being quite interesting to extremely... Very fast. Bayern are the Herbstmeister, aka the Winter Champions. They are nine points clear of Borussia Dortmund in second, who are just five points clear ahead of Freiburg, who f- finished the first half of the season in third. That's incredible, that run they're on. That's unreal. They got they beat Leverkusen on the weekend 2-1. The thing is, it was a great result. You saw Christian Strike really, really celebrating. He knew, he knew what a big result this was. No one at Freiburg expects them to finish in the Champions League spots at the end of the season. But much like La Liga, the way that this league is shaping up, there are, it's up for grabs there. And the winter thing is much more of a thing in Germany than it is in... Like to finish... They're at the halfway point yeah. in the t- symbolic, the symbolic value of the sort of, you know, they call the winter champions, the, the symbolic value of finishing there at the halfway point is mm. really something incredible. Really good one over Leverkusen 2-1. Mm. 
And um, elsewhere in the Bundesliga, very, very quick, uh, Leipzig lost. To Bielefeld, weird. To Bielefeld, 2-0 at home. Um, the Bundesliga is now breaking until... You could actually just say the Bundesliga is now breaking, to be honest. Uh, the first <laughs> game back, Friday night, Friday 7th of January. Buying Gladbach. Oh my goodness, Gladbach. There's some really good fixtures that first week back. Oh, shout out to Max Cruz, the football god. The football god. Football <laughs> god. His winner against Bochum. Lovely mm. strike that. Yeah, worth checking out. Let's do Serie A before we move we on have to the to Champions this, League. And we'll this, wrap. okay, hot take. This was my biggest game of the weekend. I think it was the biggest game of the weekend in Europe, actually, in context of what it meant. They were four points off the top, I think, um, going into this game, Napoli against an old traditional rival, but also a very present current rival. Well, because of Inter's win, they were seven points off top, actually. Oh, so Inter were marginally ahead. Right, so Inter had a 5-0 win over Salernitana that took them seven points clear at the start of this game. So they really needed a win here in Milan. Napoli, sorry, and they delivered. And this is the thing, the thing that's most impressed about this, this Napoli team is, to coin the phrase, built different from last year's. They do win the scrappy games. They beat traditional rivals. They've now, been, they've now beaten Juventus and AC Milan. And I know that Juventus are not the team of, Juventus, of, of, of um, they're not the team of um, seasons past, but the symbolic value of wins over Juventus and Milan cannot be discounted. And the games season. that they lost against Atalanta and Inter were five goal thrillers that they were on the wrong end of, which... Bingo. Yeah, right. And also the, the question they answered in this match the question that could have been answered of them, asked them before, was that they conceded those late goals specifically against Atalanta and Inter. And the question was, could they really manage games out? And they couldn't, actually. They couldn't. <laughs> well, well, it's your man Giroud. Your man Giroud was offside. He was laying down on the floor and he couldn't I do anything. No, I don't think it was, actually. Do you I'm think harsh. it was fair? Yeah, I think it That's was That's only fair. because it meant that your Napoli piece got more legs. No, no, not like that. I'm not that selfish. It's, That's not my energy. That's exactly uh -huh. what it is. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought that's tough. When I saw him lying on the ground, I was like, you should have been like a bat out of hell to get out of the way. You should have rolled off the pitch or rolled back into, into line because I, I get it. I, I get why. Any time to. Well, then that's, it's tough, isn't it? It's how it goes. It's, it's how it rolls. Mm, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure that he was actually interfering with play. I know that he, the, uh, I can't remember who the defender was, who was mm. kind of stood just in front of him. Yeah. But I don't really think Juru impedes his ability to clear the ball, for example. I don't know, because the interfering rule, I'm, this is a bit a wider point about the offside rule, Ryan. I've always had issues with it because, weirdly, as someone that you know played as a striker, like I have a lot of sympathy for defenders because quite often you have this thing where, oh, so-and-so is not interfering with play. But you look at the, like the Tony Adams era when you're a centre-back and you're looking all across the line and everyone is relevant. The entire line is relevant. Every, def every striker even if they're five yards to the left or right of you, because they can make a run that's cutting or a decoy run, right? And very often you see goals, and this is a less clear, this is a harsher case. To be fair to you, it's quite a harsh case, this one. But the general principle of, if a player is not, I mean, for example, you've seen offsides given where, oh, so offsides not given, where a player is standing there, allows the ball to run past him, the striker goes onto the through ball and goes around the keeper. And it's like, hang on a minute, like, the defender who's covering the striker making the run was covering all of that space. So the reason when I saw the Giro decision not given, I thought that looks harsh because he's lying offside, but who knows what the defender is taking in? Like who knows what space he's scanning and watching all of that? Yeah, um, but in an argument, in, in a sense, the way that the, the law is written now, it kind of doesn't really matter. It doesn't mm. really matter what the defender 
is taking in or not. I think it's, I think if you actually slow it down and look at how the game breaks there, I don't yeah. think Giroud's involvement is really worthy of chalking off a goal for offside. Mm. In that, I, I don't think. I, I can understand why people may argue differently, especially if you're a Napoli fan. It's not like he was unsighted. It's not, yeah, it's not like he was yeah, there was unsighted. No, the, yeah. the, 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 there were enough defenders there that um, he didn't impede anyone in, in terms of clearing the ball. He didn't block anyone's line of sight. He didn't, um, he basically, you could have taken Giroud, you could have like zapped Giroud out of there so he was completely mm. invisible and everything actually I think would have been the same. After that initial challenge, which yes. I actually thought that when they first, but maybe this is justice because I actually thought that they'd ruled it out for him fouling on the oh, jump. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that they'd given it for offside. I assumed that they'd ruled it out because Drew had kind of like clambered up and everyone. But Shame for Kessie as well, who was again, extremely strong in a yeah. big game. Elsewhere in Serie A, shout out for Fiorentina Sassuolo, just a very entertaining game. And Dusan Vlajevic continues to impress and build his profile. Great finish and a really nice assist. Um, in that game. But also, Jose's back. Yeah, hey, listen, shout out to one of the most impressive results in Serie A, which was Atalanta beaten 4-1 at home by Roma, um, who really needed this victory. And Tam Abraham topping and tailing this game, uh, opening goal and, and uh, the closing goal. And a real, tradi- real old school Jose Mourinho victory away from home, back against the wall. And a goal from Zaniolo who hadn't scored for a while either. Just really happy for Tammy Abraham. There's, look, there's a classic example of going away and banking on yourself. Not just going away to, you know, going away to Atlanta, but in his case, like, you know, leaving, leaving home, leaving Chelsea, leaving the academy and branching out. You're a number nine of one of the great clubs in European history. That in itself, that the mantle you're carrying there, and also like in a tough season, in a tough season for the club overall, you're one of the real bright spots. Mm. I love that. I love that for him. Yeah, man. Uh, I think there's one more round of fixtures this week for Serie A for the winter break. But yeah, man, Inter still top. Great win for them, as mentioned. 5-0 over Salernitana. Let's quickly round up on the Women's Champions League draw. I would have loved to spend a bit more time on this, so maybe we'll, nearer the time, we'll do a bigger thing on Wrighty's House, I think, when we've got flow on. Mm. The draw for the quarterfinals of the Women's Champions League is as follows. Bayern against PSG, Juve against Lyon, Arsenal against Wolfsburg and Real Madrid against Barcelona. And because they draw the semi-final as well, it means that Real Madrid will face Arsenal. Sorry, Real Madrid or Barcelona will face Arsenal or Wolfsburg. Juve or Lyon will face Bayern or PSG. Flo and I were kind of having a back and forth about this in the Writers House group. (laughs) If you know you're going to play Barca next. Unless you're PSG. Or Lyon. PSG gave them real headaches. It was the specific nature of what PSG did because I think they spent the whole season having to counter punch against Lyon. They got so good at counterattacking and set pieces. Yeah, Lyon. So by the time on top of the league, though, remember? Yeah, yeah, but 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 no, I know that. But as a matchup, it's not about because Lyon play on the front foot, right? Hagerman actually back fully fit. Absolutely, but in terms of a matchup, it's not that I don't think Lyon are not an amazing team. It's more that the team that cost that caused Bayern. Sorry, Barcelona, the most problems over two legs was PSG, like over both legs. That game wasn't decided till the last 25 minutes of the second leg, mm. right? Do you know what I mean? So I'm not saying that Leon aren't amazing, they're a better team than PSG, but in terms of like matchups, I think PSG had more problems for 
for Barcelona. So I don't think, and I think that Barcelona are happy with that draw actually, because if you look at what they, like their skills and their, their, their peaks, their best, and also Barca have improved since last year as well, which is wild to say, but they have, they've actually got better. I think they'll be happy with that side of the draw actually. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I am uh, not, uh, see, I think Arsenal have enough to go through against Wolfsburg. But Wolfsburg yeah, yeah, were extremely strong against. I agree. I agree. Uh, Chelsea, and you know Jill Rod could come back to haunt her old club, and also a lot of that depends on on the fitness status of Pop. Yeah, Wolfsburg have the most upside in this draw, and they have improved the most. The one concern for Arsenal is Wolfsburg keeps getting better. Mm. Ever since that result against Bayern, actually in the um, the win over Bayern in the um, Frauen Bundesliga. Uh, and the kind of draw against Chelsea, which they were, frankly, they were, they were dead and buried, I think, early on. It looked like they were done early on. Um, ever since those sort of couple of results, they've really hit a different stride, Wolfsburg. Mm. And Pop is back in training now, by the sounds of it. Nice. Um, which is exciting. So she'll, be, she'll be back then for the Champions League, so. I mean, oof, what an intervention that would be. Before we go, we've just seen confirmation that the current fixture schedule in the Premier League will go ahead as planned, rejecting the idea of a circuit breaker. I think we're good. That's everything. Yes, yes. I think that's all. So that's that was all. quite a quick whiz round, but um, it's good. No, it's good. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Breezy. Yeah. Hope everyone stays safe and well. Obviously, getting vaccinated if you can. We hope anyone. We we really hope that as much as possible, people's Christmas plans haven't been mucked about. Um, ours have, but yes, we think New we've plans. Come, we think we've my New Year's plans have been torched. Yeah, but yeah, don't forget the Wright's House Christmas quiz will be on Thursday the 23rd of December. Stadio Christmas Day special will be on Christmas Day, surprisingly enough. And then the Stadio's 2021, the award ceremony that no one asked for and nobody wants to be sure as hell's going to get. Awaited. <laughs> on the 29th of December. So keep those in the diary. And one final newsletter will go up on Wednesday, which will also include a little alternative Christmas playlist. There we go. A Christmas treat in the Stadio house. Stadio Actress plays on Spotify. Don't forget to check that. And speaking of which, we're playing out this episode on Let's Ride by Juno. Let's ride on out of here, Musa. Indeed, let's ride on out. Anything <laughs> you want to add quickly? Nothing further. Nothing further. Lovely. All right, everyone. Much love. Stay safe. And uh, we'll be back with Wright's House in a few days. See you then. <laughs>